Hey everyone, welcome to episode 22 of 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, your weekly midweek break to reconnect with the hospital church and the topics being discussed. As always, before we begin, don't forget to check out last week's podcast, which I absolutely love the title, Don't Be Overly Righteous. Sometimes I feel like I take that to heart a little too much, uh, but basically we decided that there is a place of peace and wisdom And it isn't in striving to be righteous or in caving to evil. It is in receiving the gift of what God has done. And um, I love that conclusion. I love the fact that as we continue to uh, investigate our lives and look back in the little things that um, sometimes we just have to give it over to God and realize he's in control. Anyway, you can find all of our episodes at our speaker channel by going to hospitalchurch.org slash podcast, mobile apps for Apple and Android, iTunes as well. So give us a subscribe there. That way you'll never miss an episode. And of course, all the social medias. Text us your thoughts, 406-965-1607, or send an email to podcast at hospitalchurch.org. And with that out of the way, this was kind of a unique and special week at the hospital church. Uh, For both of our services, uh, we had Dr. Tony Campalo uh, bring the message, and then we had an afternoon session, which if you've been listening to the podcast, you were aware that in the afternoon he had a kind of a mini debate, uh, well, actually a long debate, uh, with Dr. Steve Brown, and uh, Andy was uh, the moderator, and So it was an overall, it was a a unique week, but what was his, uh, the message title? It was uh, Theology of Hope. Theology of Hope. I knew it was hope and I just (laughs) escaped to be there. And of course I didn't write it down. Um, But what a great message. And from, uh, from someone that's only heard him ever speak once before, I was impressed with the, just the authority and Mm. with the conviction and with the. I mean, the, even the grace, I mean, not everyone's going to agree with his point of view, which is exactly why we had the afternoon sure. session. <laughs> um, but with the conviction that he comes across with, how can you not get excited about his message and about anything he really has to say, whether you agree or not? Sure. And for years, you know, I mean, Tony's been around for a long time. <laughs> but I, I was teasing him. I said, you must have been a really young guy when I first heard you at Youth Specialties in Atlanta. <laughs> he said, no, I'm just a really old guy now. <laughs> But, you know, sometimes because of speaking a lot of conventions and big youth events, you sort of almost think of him as an entertainment speaker in a Christian venue. And what really impressed me this last weekend was how majorly scripturally based he is and how much of an academician he is. I never had been up close and personal with him in that kind of setting. And just how everything was anchored in Scripture, you know, and going back, the Scripture says this, the Scripture says that. and. Uh, yeah, I, I've always, I, I too, uh, have a long history with Tony because he used to speak at youth specialties mm-hmm. every every year I would go. And being, I was a youth pastor for, you know, 23 years and almost every year would be, you know, listening to Tony in some way or another. <laughs> um, but this was an interesting piece as well. Not only did I, yeah, you get this uh, scholarly real scholarly sermon, but also a passion. Now, he's always been passionate. He's always had that um, that fervor and urgency about him that makes you just want to get up after he's done speaking and just go out and do, do something. something. Yeah. yeah, right. But um, but the part that really was impressed about, about, I was impressed about was that, well, first of all, he's he's old enough now where it doesn't really matter yeah. <laughs> who's against him. No. 
Uh, and you can kind of see that. It's sort of a nice place to get. To. Yeah, really. <laughs> That's right. I don't care anymore. It really is. And um, and so the things that he was saying brought, uh, I think, brought new and a new sense of urgency because it was a situation where you could see not only was he passionate about it, but he was speaking as if, hey, guys, th- this um, this is a life and death thing. We're, we're talking about the life and death of our planet. We're talking about the life and death of our children. We're talking about – and um, and I think that kind of came through. So I was um, – I was impressed also by his his passionate urgency. Um, well, he, he hit it hard in first service, a lot better than he did in second. With yeah, that's the, true. The aspect of the contrast between being a believer and being a disciple. Yeah. I, I, to me, that was one of the yeah. his major oomphs to me in the in the in the sermon. Uh, yeah, I wish he'd have hit that a little harder yeah. in the first in second service. Because yeah. the believer, you know, to believe is is great, and he he says, you know, that's just take on propositional truth and agree with it. And of course, within our denomination, we're real big on that whole believe the, believe the right truth kind of thing. Right. Um, but to believe it is one thing, but to be a disciple is to do something about it. And I thought that was really just an interesting. Mm-hmm. I never had put those in that kind of juxtaposition before. And just like, okay, let's disciple people and invite them to come do the works of Jesus versus just believe the truths about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, right, and I, I came away with that same. That was one of the things I had written down too. Was just the fact that he was able to bring that out so clearly. And it, I don't know if it was anything special with the right. way he said it, but with the conviction and with the delivery and the way he just surrounded it with everything else, it really, it really drove the point home as one of the majors. The other part I was impressed with was we don't often hear people championing the church mm-hmm. per se. As he did. Oh, that's true. That's a really great point, Randy. I I just, you know, he's just standing up there going, you know, well, you know, he starts reading off that, you know, in in, um, years ago in China, there was 450,000 Christians in 1945, I think he said. And today there's 77 million, you know, Latin America, 200 churches, new churches every week. And it has to be 200 plus people in attendance to qualify as a church. Africa baptizing 50,000 people a week. And that really that we be, it, we become myopic in our view sure. when we only see what's happening here when really it's a small part. But after all that, he just kind of stands there and goes, and then here we are holding our heads and ashamed going, well, you know, the, the church. Yeah. yeah, the church. And he's like, what do you mean the church? Yeah. You know, he's like, look what, you know, who are the people that are that are doing all these things in the world? Sure. Well, I, you know, his, his illustration of the millionth house by Habitat for Habitat. Humanity for poor, for poor Folks, I mean, that's a phenomenal uh, accomplishment a million homes uh, we, we, and not to not make the news and then to think about the hospitals and the education and the clean drinking water and the reduction of disease and how so much of that even if it's not totally done by the Christian church it is often spearheaded and led by the Christian church and then maybe they coalesce other you know NGOs and stuff to help help with that but then we really oftentimes forget that it's working, like he said in the sermon, like leaven, sort of beneath the scenes. We don't even know what's going on, and yet it's changing things. Yeah, and I think, the first of all, the part that he was involved with some of this. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's involved uh, on a very personal level with some of the ha- habitat. He was level. He was personally involved with that. 
and and the fact that he's involved pol- not politically, but he's in he's in the conversations mm-hmm. that happen around that on on a political level. But also he mentioned, and which you know we don't give credence to at all, and that is the historical side of what the church has done all down through history. Right. Uh, you know we see it today. We we don't even recognize the things that have been done, whether it's slavery or um, the way in which we you know we look at our own the way in which our government's set up and so forth, the way in which Christianity Christianity has affected and influenced uh, a lot of the things that we take for granted today. Well, and I thought he had a, a pretty balanced – I mean even in the afternoon, he's a pretty balanced guy. I mean yeah. you, you know that you know he's a self-proclaimed liberal sure. uh, on the side of things, but I, I don't know if I've met someone that can – that has ever just said, you know, I'm a I'm – a, I'm a, a liberal or I'm a conservative, and then been so balanced in their view and willing mm-hmm. to listen, which would invite you to go and uh, if you weren't in attendance or didn't stream that uh, second part in the afternoon live debating with grace, do go to the website hospitalchurch.org, click on uh, archives in the upper left-hand corner, and you can uh, watch two people who are diabolically opposed um, <laughs> poke a little fun at each other, mm-hmm. but then also realize that they're on different parts of the issue but still love each other and still be still be friends. I think that yeah. that was part of that church that he's talking about that has done so much good. Right. If there's not people on both sides of that conversation, none of what he says or described there happens. Right, and the, and the fact is that they the, the shared recognition of the problem and the shared desire to solve the problem, even though they might find the path to solutions very differently. You know, I mean, right. one might see a, a very different kind of path to get there. They can agree that that's a bad problem and that Christians ought to be involved in helping solve it. Um, it's really interesting that they could they can come together even with divergent and uh, very much opposed political views as well. But it almost seemed like they found some kind of common they ground. Did. Almost every question. And almost every question. Now, it wasn't it wasn't always the big ticket thing that you're like, well, you know, we have to agree on this to make it work. And it, it, sometimes it was small, but there was one thing that they could both capitulate at least and say, yeah, I, I can I can get on board with that. Well, it's then, interesting in, in light of the, the coming election and in light of within our denomination, a lot of disunity talk right now as well. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up teaching class since I wasn't speaking, and one of the things I talked about was how do, where is our unity in Christ? Uh, is, as, as the global body of Christ universally, the big invisible church, what is it that brings us into unity? And in my study, I came across three things that I thought, I thought, yeah, that's, that's, we, can, we can all agree on that. Well, let's hear those. Okay, Jesus is the Savior. Uh, we ought to love one another, love, love people, yeah. and there's a glorious future coming. And, and so you take just Christ, Jesus as the Savior. Well, yeah, we can all agree Jesus is the Savior, but then there's groups that say he's not divine and he right. is divine and he's part of the Trinity's real and the Trinity's not real. You, know, you can start arguing about it very carefully, but if you just say, okay, everybody shut up, do you believe that Jesus is the Savior? Okay, right. we agree. We're, we're in that. Do you think we should be loving to everybody? Yeah, we should be a loving people. And do you think there's a glorious future for us as Christians? Yes, there's a glorious future. And even though our eschatologies might differ, even though what it means to love people might differ a little bit in different groups, yeah. the principles can still be something that we can say, yeah, I'm your brother, I'm your sister. We we have unity on these three things. And I think that's just really important. Uh, for, and I think Steve and, and Tony exemplified that. They, there was, they had unity as Christian brothers, even though they had diverse opinions about some of the ways to go about solving some of the crisis and issues in our world. And I think there's something divinely uh, uh, divinely right about, and, and, and actually a blessing when we start to think about 
that my very first role in in this discourse with somebody is that to find common ground. Yeah. That Jesus, when they were trying to trap him, every single time they tried to trap him, he'd always go like the like the the whole issue about you know should we pay taxes and right. he goes well render to caesar's the thing that are caesar's he's saying he's saying that here's the common ground that we can all agree on and when i think when you start there and that's part of what i think tony and and even uh, what steve actually said a number of different times how he here i disagree on these different things but here's where we do agree mm-hmm. and um i i think that's a a much better tact than to find ways in which I'm different or to find ways in which I can lay the other person low. Right. The, the, the encouragement of each other in wanting to see the problem solved, even if you're coming at it from different angles, is, is again, uh, a hunting for common ground as opposed to let's yeah. just fight. Well, yeah. And I think if you start with the common ground, I think the, um, the possibility that you'll find more common ground mm-hmm. in the middle – um, as you go on to those steps, you're probably laying a little bit of groundwork right from the get-go to grease the wheels right. a little bit to help that along. It is, oftentimes, though, when a group comes together, whether it's a church group or a business group or just a thought group, the, the, larger, the larger the core that you're expected to all agree upon, the more problematic it becomes. Right. So if you, when you shrink when you shrink down to okay what is it that we will all agree this is this is agreeable, um, and if you say no well, everybody's got to agree on these ten things or on these one hundred and fifty things, <laughs> uh, the the larger that number gets the the more the chance of getting consensus and coming to agreement, it drops lower and lower. Yeah. Tony said something I I think that I I wish we could have as like the main motto for when people plan political campaigns is that he doesn't think that anybody's ever changed their mind or been convicted by losing in, in losing an argument. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. It was, it was a good comment. Well, and, and um, Heather and I were in the, the Bible study class oh, with you, you okay. uh, in the morning, and I thought it was interesting that when you were defining the body of Christ or the church as the body of Christ mm-hmm. and kind of working through some of those nuances – and then the really the hope that he discussed throughout it, it rang true in each of those mm. that essentially the kingdom of God, what did he say uh, have it written down here Jesus mission statement would be, "I have come to declare that the kingdom of God is at hand, and that by that very statement he's working in and through us to help build his kingdom here yeah. and changing mm-hmm. the world from what it is and into what he wants it to be." And I thought, you know, what what it really made a lot of sense to me. And I don't know if I would have made the same conclusion had I not been in the class with you early in the morning. But that really affected both Heather and I because it was like, wow, that's now you're not always able to put things exactly into the words you want and what words you mm-hmm. had and what words he had. Those really that really went well. And and he also put it off. I thought he did a great job of just saying, in both of them, even in the afternoon to say we have to be able to admit, and that was maybe more a little mm. more Steve, we have to admit that we're not always right. We have to yeah. say that, you know what, mm-hmm. yeah, th- this is an abomination, that's abomination, that's abomination. But holy cow, I'm an abomination. <laughs> Let, let's, let's be honest about this. So if we put ourselves right. on the same level where we belong with those that we disagree with, that also helps. That really does. You know, somebody complained about the fact that they felt like uh, he messed with Adventist eschatology a little bit. And somebody was saying, what, is, what, are, they, what are they talking about? What do you mean? And I said, well, I think they mean he, – he's spoken of the idea that we should be trying to help the kingdom of God come today. 
you know, and oftentimes our eschatology has been things are going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse, and then finally Jesus is going to come and rescue us, as opposed to Ellen White's statement in Steps of Christ, you know, our our challenge is to make the world a better place for our having been here. Right. And so to think about, yeah, things are going to get bad, and things will get really, really terrible, but we should be doing all in our power to prevent that from happening and to help the kingdom of God be reality today. Our, the, the prayer from the Lord's Prayer, I think, is just paramount in his, in his sermons this weekend. You know, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a huge uh, challenge for us as the church to be ac- accomplishing that, helping make that happen in our world. Yeah, and if it doesn't ha- I mean, you know, does everything have to be, you know, doomsday till, you know, the, the any ap- apocalyptic, easy for me to say apocalyptic, apocalyptic movie that you've ever seen where, you know, one person is left. And I mean, does it have to get to that point before we just go, well, we're just going to let it get to the end because we know that, you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, let's make it better. Let's, you know, he talked about the environment. He talked Mm -hmm. about all these different pieces and parts and, and putting ourselves in that. And I thought he also did a good job when, along with that is saying, you know, the church is full of hypocrites. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're not planning on showing up, if you're not planning on meeting hypocrites, don't bother coming to church because, you know, you're going to find them everywhere. Or or he said, if you you find a church with hypocrites, (laughs) without without any hypocrites, don't join it, you'll ruin it. (laughs) Ruin it, exactly. Um, So I guess what I was left with in in large part was that be proud to be a part of of a movement and the body that is doing so much good in the world and embrace that. And maybe through those lenses, we see things a little bit differently as we go through and um, you know, and I would encourage anyone just to go back and, and to re-look at that if you didn't get a chance to see that because they did an exceptional job. Did you have something, Jeff? No, I was just going to say it's it's pretty difficult when you think of being a hypocrite um, <laughs> to to think. You know, I, I liked his his analogy, the fact that we're all growing, we're all in this process, yep. and the hypocrite is actually in a sense, a true statement about yeah, he's, yeah. He said, I'm It's not, a truth. I'm yeah. not all I can be, but I'm not all I was. <laughs> I'm not exactly. what I ought to be, but I'm not what I was. I'm yeah, not exactly. what I was. Yeah. Right. Yep. Well, as we wrap it up, we're quickly running out of time. Uh, I just wanted to leave you with, you know, sometimes we have a tendency to focus on the negative. You know, for all of our shortcomings as the church, for all the times when the world has been able to point to the church and say hypocrites, or for all the instances when a denomination or local church has failed to live up to even the most basic tenets of Christ. And, and pushed away even the least of these that we called brothers and sisters. You know, we admit our humanity and our sorrow over the role that was played in those. And, you know, we need forgiveness as an organization when those things happen. And while all that ugliness has been true, and we've all witnessed that, there are still those that strive to achieve, that long to do better, submit to the changing of hearts and desires to be able to serve and love and care for. And I really believe that Florida Hospital Church is such a place. You know, we're not perfect. You know, we aren't, uh, we're not uh, what we used to be, but we're not what we are, but we're trying. So our hearts and intention and goals are all born of this world. That's who we are. But we continue to try to strive through those imperfections until Jesus can complete his work in part through us. And I'm just Mm -hmm. excited for us to be a part of that journey. So, um, if you'd like to join us again uh, this upcoming week, it's at 9.30 and 12. You can go to the website and watch a live stream at hospitalchurch.org and click the Watch Live. Uh, if you're local, again, same times, 9.30 and 12, with Bible studies in the middle at 10.45. And next week, what's next? Are we still in Ecclesiastes? We're in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verses... 
uh, maybe 7 through 12. Uh, 11 and 12 is uh, the primary focus, and make everything is just sort of random. And so that's and that's you? <laughs> that's me. So it's Andy, so you definitely don't want to miss that. So do plan uh, on... <laughs> can I skip? <laughs> <laughs> See if Tony's available for one more week. Right. So plan on joining us this week either way you can. And uh, so for Andy, Jeff, Tom, I'm Randy. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you all next week for episode 23.